welcome to this episode of the Horror Drafts Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brantley Palmer, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, Mr. Nicholas Schwartz. Nick, how are you? I'm great as always, Brantley. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thank you so much. And I'm really psyched because we're joined by a wonderful guest today. Uh, Her name is Connie Warren. She runs the S. King Project (laughs) Instagram account where she tracks Stephen King uh, books and movies and uh, other like works that are done, like the comic books and things like that. She's a fantastic guest and we're so happy to have her. Thank you so much for joining us, Connie. Thank you for having me. (laughs) well this is exciting um uh, we usually just start it off nice and easy and check in with our guests to see you know what you've been watching or reading or listening to uh what have you been enjoying lately uh see the first thing that popped in my mind was we just finished watching severance on apple tv plus Oh, so nice. really like that show. I don't know if you've watched it. I haven't. I really want to, and I've heard wonderful things. So, and I'm yeah, very yeah, looking forward raving. to it. Yeah, yep, it's very Sounds trippy <laughs> and very uh, confusing for a while. But yeah, it it leaves you on a on a cliffhanger, but a, a good point. Like you can't wait to watch the next season. <laughs> nice. Oh, that's nice. wonderful. Did have they confirmed anything? If it's getting a second season, do you know? I think so, but maybe that was my wishful thinking. I feel like I researched it after, but now I cannot remember the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to really check that out, but I, I, my wife wants to watch it too, so I have to wait until she's ready, and mm-hmm. you know that depends on if we have nights together where we can actually spend time and sit down and do it. So, yeah, it's like our whole tv and film watching uh criteria has just been like or, yeah. uh, time is so messed up lately but <laughs> that's exciting yeah i'm really looking forward to it uh nick man what about you um nothing since we last recorded although i did realize one thing i should plug just because i loved it so much but it's not horror by any means was um uh our flag means death on hbo oh, yep. max which i just my wife and i watched it and it's just it's just like I compared it to, I think I saw it a lot like like a companion piece to Ted Lasso, and that it's just so sweet the whole mm-hmm. time. It's impossible not to just be like, it's just sweet. I loved all the characters, and um, and it's funny, and I don't know, it's heartwarming in like really unexpected ways. So cannot recommend that show enough. I I that one is one that last I checked they had not renewed it yet. So I'm here's hoping that gets a renewal because I really it kind of ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Awesome. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like what we do in the shadows, but it was a lot sweeter. Like it took me a bit to get used to the tone of it, but it was yeah, really sweet. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> I guess I know I was unexpected. I thought it was going to be something totally different. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, that's another one that's just on the list. I, I feel <laughs> I feel so bad about <laughs> like everyone's recommended the great as well on Hulu. Like multiple people have recommended. Oh, the great is hilarious. <laughs> person has and i just feels like such an outsider having not like caught up to it and uh anyway uh that's wonderful man awesome um how about you oh boy um so i have watched something but i shouldn't talk about it because it's going to be for an upcoming episode for a guest we have lined up so i can't (laughs) say that um I would say, like, the the number one thing is uh, I just started Chuck Klosterman's new book, The 90s, um, which is all right. Uh, You know, I I, I like Chuck Klosterman a lot, you know, years ago. I haven't checked any of his books out in a little while, and so this is, like, the first one in a while, and it's okay. I think sometimes he has a tendency to disregard some information 
because it's helpful for the points he's making and, and things like that. So I don't know. That's, I guess, the librarian in me or the researcher in me where I'm just like, oh, you're just like skipping over this area really quickly to say it's not as important as like this point you want to talk about kind of thing. But uh, but it's okay. Um, and uh, outside of that, I mean, just a lot of podcasts. I have been listening to a lot of the Five Day Rentals podcasts, uh, who are wonderful and, and were our uh, most recent guest uh, on the show. Uh, I, I had listened to their Stone Cold episode from back in mid-February and couldn't help but notice that two months later, How Did This Get Made ended up doing an episode on Stone Cold as well. I don't know, Nick. You think they're think they're copping on uh, the five-day <laughs> rentals guys <laughs> encroaching on their Maybe, territory? Yeah. Stealing, yeah. stealing their titles? I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Should we start a beef with How Did This Get Made? Would that help raise our profile, do you think? <laughs> if we're just... I mean, it might. We haven't really picked on anybody. Yet. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think we keep getting comments that we're too nice. So we do, I yeah. Fight. You're yeah. right. I think this is it. You know, It's just like a planned Hollywood beef with How Did This Get Made? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, anyway, uh, that's what we've been enjoying lately. But it's time to get into the draft and today we are drafting horror film adaptations now we are taking a fairly wide ranging view of what an adaptation is that could be an adaptation from a book or an article or from a tv series it could also be a remake horror film so this is a pretty wide open category uh and we before we started the draft we uh rolled the four-sided die to determine our draft order uh nick is going to be going first in this draft i will be going second and then connie will be going third and she will get that back-to-back pick with the first pick of the second round um she is also going to be the commissioner of this episode so she will rule with her iron fist and tell nick and i what we can and cannot actually draft i'll be so mean yes (laughs) (laughs) and we are very excited to uh to see how she wields her power in this draft um so without further ado let's get into it uh nick you are on the clock with the first pick of the first round of the horror film adaptation draft. All right, let's kick it off. Um, I will preface my choice because everyone already knows what it is by saying <laughs> that, well, they do. Um, I know. <laughs> any listener who's listened to a single episode knows, but I want to preface it by saying I, I'm actually really excited about this episode. I was couldn't, I didn't know what was going to be on my list um, going into this. And when I started to put it together, I decided that um, I'm not necessarily going to pick my like what I think are the five best adaptations or necessarily even the five best movies, but like five that, um, with the exception of my first one, um, haven't really been talked about, uh, I guess, a lot on this podcast. So I thought maybe oh. this is a good opportunity to bring them up. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like all of them. They're just not necessarily the best adaptations but also how do you define the best adaptation is it Mm. most faithful to the source material is it the least faithful to the source material but like they adapted it to the different medium like a film really really well um i don't know i guess that's for all of us to decide but i will start by saying the shining is my number one pick of course um won't say much else about it again um except for that in this context i do think that um most people um, who have also read the book will probably 
tell you that it's one of the worst adaptations. Um, <laughs> that seems to be the, the consensus among people, especially who've read the book first. I watched the movie first, then read the book, and I love both equally mm-hmm. on you know well not equally i really love the movie a lot more but um the book is my one of my favorite novels um i love it for completely separate reasons um i can they each stand completely on their own for me um in different but as far as like yes it's technically based on a on a book so i think it, it counts as an adaptation in that regard um and since i enjoy both pieces of, of art the the book and the, and the film I can sort of see I mean like it would be different I can understand why Stephen King hates the movie adaptation mm-hmm. um, he's very close to the source material and it's about you know alcohol alcoholism which he struggled with and that's a very yeah. personal story and of, I get it um, I also can really appreciate that Kubrick basically just took the skeleton of this novel and kind of shoehorned his own psychological story into it um i think a lot of people look at the film and they're like oh this is such like a cold film like the characters i don't care about them like jack is already crazy mm-hmm. um there's no suspense and like uh they take out most of the you know the plot beats from the from the novel that are interesting so like what is the point mm-hmm. well i think the point is that it's a completely different type of horror than what stephen king was going for and it's interesting that within that same framework you get two very different approaches to horror and i think both are depending on what scares you um you know like equally viable like i think the the movie is terrifying for a bunch of psychological reasons and it really sticks with me afterwards and the book is really scary as you're reading it i mean you you're stuck to the pages when you get to those scary scenes it just it didn't it doesn't linger the same way so mm-hmm. um i love both um but yes, another episode is starting off with me picking The Shining. People are going to start not listening anymore. That's it. That's what I got. I mean, I agree with you. Yeah. There you go. Oh, thank you. That's great. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Well, I also saw the movie first before I read the book. And then I also oh, love you? it for different reasons. And I remember when I watched the movie, watched it with my mom. <laughs> and I was like a teenager. And I remember my brother, who does not like horror. He he walked into the room during the uh, red room scene, and he so he just saw Danny yelling and then writing on the on the door, and my brother just went no nope, and just left the room, and I, I feel like that's the only part of Shining he's ever seen to this day. He was so scared. <laughs> oh wow! Yes, that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and I, I I'm glad that you brought up kind of like how each people different people might approach the draft because yeah is it the best of mm-hmm. like way of adapting that work is it just the best film that's based on that book or the previous film or whatever and yeah that's a really interesting way to take a look at it because we didn't really discuss that previously um i, went, I guess connie really is the final say here. yeah <laughs> yeah she, she could have told me i was wrong but yeah i actually no, i had the same thing when i was coming up with my list of of like should we go with like the best adaptation for the source material mm. but then sometimes i do love movies that i know are adaptations that i haven't actually know what the source material like i know it exists <laughs> that but too. that's it and then mm. other times the movie isn't really that great and but it's like i love the book it came from or whatever so it's just yeah. it's kind of like it's just, i figured i i kind of i've made a three different list of things for depending <laughs> on how this draft goes yeah i'm just gonna pick from wherever <laughs> great. so i decided not Absolutely. to make that stipulation so i guess it's just free range <laughs> yes i think that helped yeah it would have been a struggle i think otherwise so yeah yeah and uh, 
I'm going to sound like a broken record too, Connie, because I always tell people, any of our guests, just go with your heart. Pick with your heart. That's the way to (laughs) go. Um, And in order to pick from the heart, I guess as I'm on the board uh, or on the clock now uh, in the first round, I'm going to go with uh, American Psycho uh, based on the Brett Easton Ellis book. Um, I also like the book, but the book is so brutal. Um, which I know might sound crazy to people who have only seen the film and haven't read the book, but trust me, the movie is like a PG version of the book. Um, the book is really, really rough and I love it, but it's, it's so a little bit more bleak and dark to me than the movie is. The movie really like embraces the almost slapsticky nature of the, 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 uh, dark humor, uh, of the, um, what he's doing. And, um, it's certainly much more palatable the movie i will say and and i it's all it's been a favorite of mine um since it came out um i I love pretty much everything about it um so that's what i'm going for primarily just on the movie on its own not necessarily as a great adaptation but i actually think it is a pretty darn good adaptation of the book but just not as horrific in many ways I'm curious to hear what your two thoughts on the on American Psycho are. I had it on one of my backups because I've never read the book. Oh, gotcha. But okay. I love the movie. But then I also had this conversation the other day where people were listing off horror movies. And I go, is American Psycho a horror movie? I go, I guess it is. It's a serial killer and everything, whatever or not, <laughs> depending on how you think about the movie. But yeah. then for me, I'm like, I just view it as it's just Christian Bale sexy times to me when I watch it. So I'm just like, I'm not scared of it at all. <laughs> Well, I guess, I guess I should get a, a commissioner. Is this pick yeah. appropriate? Does it fall another enough horror to be drafted on a horror draft podcast? I would say so, since I ended up on one of my lists, so I okay, so. all right, <laughs> and I... excellent. <laughs> Thank you. It's that's my first pick. Nick, do you have any thoughts on American Psycho? Uh, not worth. It's been I saw it one time in college and I loved it, and I've always been interested in the book, and I'm like more interested in the book now than ever having heard your take on it that's really fascinating because okay. the movie was pretty brutal as i recall um yes but trust me once you read the book you'll understand what i mean yeah no i def- now i'm very very interested in it so yeah. okay. i'll have to read it yeah i've heard those things about the book but then i like read like less than zero many years ago after i watched the movie and i just i don't think i like his style of writing it's, oh i'm just like yeah. no, not really into it uh, I it's on, I'm curious because I read that book like decade and a half, two decades ago, and I'm very curious if I would even want to keep reading it after after I started, just based on his style and you know the yeah and the well not just the content and subject matter, but yeah I I agree. I think it might be harder for me to swallow his style now uh, as I'm older, but we'll see. Maybe you'll have to read it, Nick, and tell me what what you think. Yeah, yeah. And, and revisit the movie. It has been quite a long time. Nice. All right, Connie, you are on the board with your first pick of the first round, and then you get the back-to-back with the oh first pick goodness. of the second. Okay. Which one do I go with first? Of course, I had Shining, but I'm like, I know that one's going to go first. <laughs> <laughs> yep. um, I am... Well, I mean, I've got... So I get my first and second. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Hellraiser. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, this one, I think for the most part, is it's pretty faithful. It's been a year since I've read the little tiny, almost novella of 
that Hellraiser came from. But like Clive Barker was also for me the way I moved from reading young adult books to adult books. Mm. So this was back before, because I am way older than everybody else. This is back before there's really a young adult genre. And so that those kind of books weren't out there. It was just a bunch of romances. And I was reading these all when I was like 11 or 12. And mm. then sometime when I was 12 at the library, I realized that I had read all of the books in the young adult section. <laughs> I remember nothing about them because they're just fluff. And mm. so I just wandered over and I found Clive Barker. I just, I liked, we I liked the cover of We Rolled and I read it and I loved it. And so I loved him. And then that's all fantasy though. And then I found out he wrote horror and I'd also read some Stephen King stuff that my mom had around the house. And so then I just started reading a whole bunch of Clive Barker. So I love him. And so then I I read the, this, actually I read this book after I watched the movie when I realized that it actually came from like a, a little tiny book and I read that afterwards. But yeah, me and my friends used to rent horror movies all the time growing up until Hellraiser was one of them. And uh, just recently rewatched this and, and for years I kept thinking like, I think I actually like Hellraiser 2 better, but this is the one that's the adaptation, so I'm going with Hellraiser. But for years <laughs> I thought Hellraiser was the best. Hellraiser 2 was... Uh, in my mind as being so over the top gross and disgusting and then I rewatched that a couple years ago and in my mind what I remembered was way worse than what was actually in the movie so actually <laughs> I enjoyed the movie more watching it years later but yeah this Hellraiser itself is I mean you got Pinhead I've only ever seen the first two so I don't know how bad that series gets I've heard about that it gets really bad <laughs> but yeah, yeah. just Pinhead itself it's just he's interesting when he comes out you want to know more about him you don't really get to know that much about him in, in the movie but it's just um, yeah it's just it's gross and and Pinhead is cool I like him <laughs> nice <laughs> he is he's great <laughs> all the Cenobites each have their own I guess uh, you know little chattering guy little, yeah 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 <laughs> they each have their little their little you know niche that they inhabit <laughs> that's great hellraiser it's, is that based on that's hellbound heart right is that yeah. the name of the novella yeah okay wonderful it's super tight it's like 150 pages or something like that it's so short nice yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah i just great. read that like I guess two years ago now when I, I hadn't seen the movie in years and years and I remember not liking the movie at all. And then I watched one and two again and was like, what was I thinking? Like, these are, <laughs> these are like, especially two is just, I mean, two in their own way, but two is like very over the top. It features some like really great surreal visuals. We were talking yeah. about this in our last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, and, and the first one is just a really tight, like solid, like horror film. And I was curious about the source material and, also really good i mean it's really faithful adaptation of course because he's adapting his own material yeah um but um like also you know weirdly like literary it's not like pure horror it's just um i don't know like if you've seen the movie um you know what to expect from the book but it's it's like was surprisingly well done i really enjoyed it and then i realized that there was a sequel that he wrote recently the scarlet what is it called scarlet um is it gospels scarlet gospels thank you i haven't read it but, I yeah. haven't read that either, so but it's on my list. I picked it up. I have it, and it's got. I got to read it now. Apparently, that crosses over with one of his other characters, um, and I don't know enough about Clive Barker that I'm like part of me wants to like read this other source, but before they cross over, mm-hmm. um, but I just I don't have time to do any of that. So <laughs> we'll see if it happens. But great pick. I was on my list as well. Nice, Nick. That's been happening with you a lot lately, where you revisit things you really hated when you were younger, and they 
end up being much better than you remembered. Yeah, I'm. it's dawning on me that either I had terrible taste growing up, or I have terrible taste now. I'm not sure, but something has shifted a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did the uh, Child's Play series, and he, he, he was dreading revisiting Child's Play 3, because he said, all I remember is that I hated it, and then... You ended up realizing eh, it's not that bad. It's it's a you know decent you know little horror film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It might be that, like, after Child's Play three, when I was in high school, I probably exhausted most of the good like well known movies and started picking out like the the worst of the worst on the VHS shelf at like the yeah. local video store, and like having seen all of that stuff now revisiting those other ones it's just like wow this is a masterpiece compared to <laughs> trying to remember what other crap that way yeah so that might be some of it i find that yeah. like when i revisit movies sometimes it's just like who you're watching it with kind of just mm. it just taints what you're thinking about the movie and then when you just revisit it in a different headspace you're like oh what was my issue before <laughs> yes yeah, exactly. totally that's another good point yeah yep. or the mood Context you're in. is everything yeah yeah, yep. yeah. absolutely uh connie you are on the board again yeah you get the back to back okay so my second pick is going to be carrie Ooh, nice 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 choice we've got got the 70s hair going on we've got the scary mother (laughs) got dirty pillows (laughs) (laughs) wonderful performances yes yeah, from both Sissy Spacek and her. Oh gosh, I'm blanking on the actress who plays her mom. Piper Laurie, thank you. Yes. Oh. Yep. Yep. And I remember at some point when I was rewatching the movie not too long ago that, um, well, now I can't remember the people's names in it because they're, they're side characters. Um, they uh-huh. just both had the couple. There was a couple that they both had the same exact like perm hairdo, and I'm like, they have the same <laughs> hair. <laughs> 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 yeah but that one i actually think yeah it's pretty faithful adaptation from the stephen king book too yeah yeah so. that's definitely pretty uh yeah and uh i love the music the not musical but the montage bit where they go to pick up the suit for the prom oh, it's like that, <laughs> that blue like prom suit and oh, everything horrible it's like what, it's like such a <laughs> Also, that whole like segment just feels like such a comedic kind of bit in the middle of the movie. It felt so like odd to me, but that's Brian De Palma, I guess. Anyway, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, you know it's Brian De Palma when it starts out in the girls' locker room. Like, okay, yeah. Brian. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I like watch that, it's like the whole hand coming out of the grave at the end. It's like I didn't realize that that's where it started from when I like watched it for the first time because uh... I'd seen it like done in other things afterwards like now i was expecting it and it's like oh i think that was so scary <laughs> i watched it <laughs> oh yeah that was what an effective scare mm-hmm. that scared the shit out of me like i just did not expect it no like, especially in that movie it like comes out of nowhere you just um, think it's a nice ending to the movie it's like over oh, yeah. just kind of like oh and it's, uh, here's the grave site Ta-da. Mm. nope <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's really effective um <laughs> Well, we're used to the killers coming up for our one last jump scare, yeah. and maybe they had done right. that before this, but when you see a grave, you're not thinking anything's going to pop out of a grave, yeah. especially if it's not a zombie movie, so... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's really effective. Awesome. Great pick. Um, I have... I, I'm very curious as when Carrie comes up and I start doing research for the guys on that, because... As far as I know, De Palma hasn't done a commentary for it, uh, right. or at least not one that I can find. And I try to use like 
firsthand accounts from people as opposed to like you know interviews from the time it came out when they're promoting it and everything because they're mm-hmm. always going to say it's great you know they're best movie to... ever exactly yeah yeah As my favorite was arnold schwarzenegger saying the running man was i think this is the best movie i've ever done you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like sure arnold <laughs> it's a great movie. yeah yeah uh anyway so yeah, I'm really curious what I'm going to... i got to watch the De Palma documentary and see what he says about it in there. Um, so that'll be something I, I do. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what, what comes up with that one. So we'll find out. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm on the board here. And uh, okay, not to just completely repeat myself from our previous draft, Nick. Not that American Psycho was eligible before, but... Um, I am going to take The Thing uh, with my second round pick. Uh, of course, a remake of The Thing from Another World uh, back in the day, which was also based on a, a book <laughs> prior to that, I believe. So it's kind of an adaptation of an adaptation. Um, I, You know, we talked, I, we just talked about it last episode, so I don't know what more to say. But one of the things I brought up, Connie, was that I don't know if any movie has ever had as much of a 180 in terms of like critical and cultural, uh, you know, belief in it, than the thing. I mean, it was a bomb with critics. It was a bomb at the box office. No one liked it when it came out in 1982. And I feel like by the end of the 80s, if not even maybe like mid 80s, it was already getting being considered one of the best horror movies of that decade and just criminally um, uh, underloved when it first came out. Um, yeah, I mean, wonderful practical effects, uh, suspenseful. You you uh, never know who is or isn't infected. It's uh, so like it works so well on so many levels. Levels the practical, gory, gross-out stuff, the really suspenseful, like psychological stuff. I, I love it, and um, yeah, wonderful movie. The thing. Yeah, that movie was like I was, it was too young when that came out, so I had mm. no clue that it was like what kind of reception it had i i until just very recently learned that like it was critics hated it and i was, and mm-hmm. i just it was always just kind of there and i didn't watch it until i think two years ago for the first time and then i was like why have i never watched this before <laughs> this movie is amazing and i love everything about it and i loved all the practical effects and the crazy creatures that came out of the things and stuff and i'm like why why have i never seen this before and then when i heard that it was like pan i'm like why what, does no one have fun when they watch movies i don't understand yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah it's really it's uh it's funny too I, the the most recent the the blank check guys are doing army of darkness uh, well sam raimi and so army of darkness mm-hmm. just came up but one of the things they mentioned is that it's so funny to go back and watch like uh critics at the time like especially siskel and ebert because like their <laughs> review of army of darkness is like ah oh, this is ridiculous and horrible it's not like any of the evil the original evil dead or even evil dead 2 like as if they actually liked them when they first came out <laughs> because then you go back and realize that they also gave poor reviews to them like when they came out and stuff like that so yeah it's really it, it is funny because yeah they'll give these like horrible reviews and then like years later be like oh what a great movie that was <laughs> But anyway, this thing, that's my pick. Uh, Nick, you are on the board with two picks here. You get the last pick of the second and the first pick of the third. All right. All right. I'm going to, um, maybe this is like a vanilla answer, but I'm going to go with um, James Whale Frankenstein. James Whale's Frankenstein. Oh, beautiful. Um, it's, I mean, it's a classic for a reason. And since we're on the subject of adaptations, um, it's fun to look at that movie and then look at... Um, 
you know, like Kenneth Branagh's adaptation, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein from the 90s with Robert De Niro, which is on paper like a much more faithful adaptation to the book. But, I mean, people hate that movie. Um, <laughs> and I should revisit it again. That's one I saw in high school. I, I saw that movie right after reading the book. I saw it. I watched mm. both the original Frankenstein and the uh, Kenneth Branagh version back to back. And I was like, I really enjoy this movie the Kenneth Branagh version like this is what I just read I think um mm-hmm. so it's it's accurate and maybe that's but yeah as far as just like horror filmmaking goes I mean the original Frankenstein you know and it's it's um it's has, it has its like German expressionism roots and it's gorgeous to look at um and it may not be the most faithful to the source material but I think it's just it it's a like it's just a perfect horror film um and and it holds up for sure, yeah. um, so yep, that's my my pick. No, that's that's a wonderful. Yeah, outside of Creature from the Black Lagoon, Frankenstein, and and the sequel, Bride of Frankenstein, have always been my my next favorite of those classic Universal monster movies. Um, he's always had a special place in my heart. So yeah, I think that's a wonderful pick. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, that was two, and for three, I'm gonna go with. Here's where I start venturing off a little bit. This is um, a a movie I really enjoy um, a lot. Um, Enjoyed it more the second time. I'm looking forward to watching it a third time. Um, Not necessarily my in my top you know five adaptations on paper, but um, I think it's an interesting pick. I'm gonna go with Burnt Offerings, which is a film from 1976. Mm -hmm. it is uh it's just not talked about enough and, and that's part of the reason I wanted to bring it up it is based on a novel but um like really good psychological horror like sort of a haunted house story sort of a like a family falling apart story mm-hmm. it's very much like a sister's movie to the shining um which is not actually why i like it because i like the shining for a whole host of other reasons <laughs> um but you can totally see a lot of parallels. Um, so I think if, if you're into that sort of thing, like The Shining, um, that kind of a, a, a film about like people essentially isolated um, in, in what may or may not be a haunted house and, and sort of that family dynamic struggling through that situation, um, check out Burnt Offerings. It's really, really, it's an underrated kind of gem of horror that I think not enough people have seen. I haven't seen okay. that. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really recommend it. Yeah, no, it's it, it's one that's been on the watch list for a while. I also have not seen it before, so oh, don't don't hurt me. Check now. it out. No, I, I think it was on um, Prime, or I forget what oh, I saw okay. recently. Maybe yeah, it was on Shutter. I, I probably added it to my Prime video list and then forgot about it. But I mean, it's been one I've, I've been meaning to watch for a while. That and like Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and like all these kind of other like classic kind of horror movies I, I just had never too. gotten around to. You know. Those are two movies I saw like right around the same time. Having read, basically, it was just like a list of um, that I came across of of underseen horror mm-hmm. films from like the sixties mm-hmm. and seventies. Um, both of those movies were on that list, and I love both of them. They're great. Nice. Um, Let's scare Jessica to death is is very very creepy. Awesome. Um, yeah, worth watching that too. Nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, so you just started us out on the third round, so I am up in the third here. Um, I'm going to continue my trend of two-word titles, and <laughs> I am going to take The Fly with my third round pick here. <coughs> nice. uh, it's a remake of the 1950s Fly. Uh, this is another one that we talked about in the last draft, but it's, I mean, just 
brilliant body horror. I, I think some of the best body horror that's ever done. Um, Jeff Goldblum, sexy as hell. Gina Davis, sexy as hell. <laughs> Science experiments gone wrong. Turns him into Brundle Fly. I mean, what's not to love about the fly? I loved it. <laughs> I, I love it. Um, it's one I don't throw on a lot because body horror, just like really bleak horror films, I don't feel the need to watch a lot. Um, I might revisit them every five to ten years, but I feel like it's been a long time since I've watched The Fly, so I, I need to watch it again. Um, but yeah, gosh, what a what a great uh, remake. And uh, I'd argue a remake that's better than the original because I, I have seen the original Fly from the 50s ages and ages ago, and it's a little campy and silly, but not particularly fun <laughs> whereas this one is fantastic <laughs> i've never seen the original but yeah i saw the saw the one you're talking about with jeff goldblum <laughs> i saw that one yeah. uh, when i was asleep over at my house we rented it and then my mom was she knew what we rented she was watching it with us and then she couldn't believe that she was letting us watch it she kept trying to fast forward it <laughs> and we all kept yelling at her to stop it <laughs> and so that was my first memory of the fly it's just my mom going oh my god why are you doing this why are we watching this but she never turned it all the way off we still got mm-hmm. through the whole entire movie <laughs> and we saw a lot and yeah there's so much of that movie you talk about seeing it like every like five to ten years it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's just so much of that movie just burned into my brain and i've only seen it like yeah. twice <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've, it's I've, one of those movies. Yeah, yeah, I think I've seen like three or four, and, and yeah, it's like maybe every five or so years I've revisited it, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's as rough as I remember. <laughs> yeah, and it's uh, a it, that's another that's another a great example of like the Frankenstein story, basically. Mm-hmm. It's a modern, you know, retelling of that, um, and and. Just like yeah, it's the same themes and, and story, but transplanted into like a modern era with really amazing body horror effects, like yeah. practical body horror effects. So it's like, what's not to like? It's just, I yeah, I love that movie. Um, yeah, great pick, one of my favorites. Awesome, Connie, you are on the board with back to back picks. Oh boy, okay. Uh, for my third one, I'm going with sentimental reasons for me it's not the best movie but i still love it um and it's also a book i really love and it's a pretty decent adaptation uh it's pet cemetery the first nice. one i still nice. have not watched the remake because i've heard it's boring and i keep putting it off and it is actually what's next on my things to watch for my <laughs> for my instagram <laughs> account <laughs> um, nice. uh, so i need to get on that um yeah. but yeah just the the first one so that's nothing just has like scenes like seared into my brain because i rewatched it not too long ago and it's like oh my god i just remember so much about this of like the runner who gets hit and he just like he's like a ghost that's just haunting him he's just bloody and disgusting and then just the cat and mm-hmm. and then uh gage with the scalpel zelda <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so is horrifying in both the book and the movie <laughs> Oh yeah. Yep. So for me, that's yeah, the scariest part is still Zelda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, great pick. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we both we both enjoy the original Pet Cemetery, right? I, I think we've it's maybe come up before, right, Nick? Yeah, I think we've we might have even. I don't know if it was on the '80s horror list, but I think it was. And if it wasn't, it probably should have been. I really, yeah, it's yeah, definitely. Um, 
and a good adaptation and uh, yep. an interesting Stephen King adaptation too in that it's like one of the ones that he wrote himself. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's uh, I think it does a good job in that regard of like bringing a much you know deeper longer novel on into the screen and like a really short concise package and mm-hmm. yeah that's one of those ones too that like connie was just talking about like the the images that are seared into my brain like the part with um was it victor i can't remember mm-hmm. his name the character that was the lasting image from the first time i saw it and it still creeps me out to think about it was um him showing up next to the bed yeah at night um but then i always forget like i i know gauge like obviously there's a whole climax with gauge but i forget a lot of what happens and a lot of the imagery including the scalpel being so (laughs) creepy um and this whole thing with zelda that whole step like another thing that i always forget about even though it's so memorable Mm -hmm. um so those things like scare me once like again every time i revisit that movie i'm like oh yeah right i I forgot that's probably why i blocked it out it's pretty creepy yeah Yeah, that's what i feel like i was doing when i was rewatching it it was right before they happened i went oh no like is victor's gonna show up here oh no bella's gonna show up here it was like right before the scene happened i was like oh no now i'm remembering what's happening and it's (laughs) like but even though i'm watching it i think even when i watched it because i originally watched it in the theater it's like i knew it was a cheesy movie but i still Mm. love it (laughs) yeah oh yeah definitely (laughs) yeah no that's great we yeah, we like to layer one. the cheese on here every once in a while, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great pick. Oh yeah, uh, the next one. Excellent. Yeah, you're you got the back to back here. Debating between two of them. Um, I'm going with another another nostalgia one for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> I don't. I only like really parts of the movie. I like the beginning and the end and not necessarily the middle part. And it's Firestarter. <laughs> oh, <goodness. laughs> and I think I had the same issues with the movie. Well, I had more issues, I think, with the movie than the book. The book is also exciting in the beginning and the end, and it's really boring in the middle. <laughs> so I guess the movie matches it. Maybe it's a good adaptation. <laughs> so uh, this is another one we watched at a sleepover when I was like 10 or 11. And those are images were seared in my brain when I rewatched it. Uh, it's the things at the beginning when these people are taking all these uh, drugs to like get them to have all these extra supernatural mind powers. Uh, and there's like people like bleeding out of their eyes. So I just remember that when I was a kid, that was in my brain of people bleeding out of their eyes. And that was creepy. <laughs> and uh, like someone getting smushed up into a closet and that was bloody and gross. And then at the end, just Drew Barrymore just throwing fireballs and shooting some guy up into a tree. And just me as a little girl thinking that was completely awesome. And I loved it. So that's why this is mostly a nostalgia <laughs> thing for me is I just like this little tiny girl having, she's like the same age, like Drew Barrymore's like the same age as me. And so it's like mm-hmm. just watching this girl just having these powers and just, just all this destruction. I just loved it. So I'm picking Firestarter. <laughs> nice. Awesome nice. pick. That's the, uh, that's the uh, Dino De Laurentiis film that kind of set them up and set up their shop in Wilmington, North Carolina. That was the first one they brought down there, I think, ah. before like creating like a studio down there and everything and making it like the hub of their operation. So that's awesome. And the remake is coming out in like a few weeks. I know. I just like saw oh, that wow. the other day and I'm like, is no one talking about this? I didn't realize there was a remake happening. Yeah, was, like, I keep forgetting. So I, like, I, yeah, yeah, I just saw the teaser. It's like straight to Peacock and and theaters. Oh, that's why. So it's one of those. Uh, But yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's not bypassing theaters. It's just, yeah, it's like one of those um, hybrid things. And um, I haven't seen the original. So like I I keep seeing trailers for the remake and being like, I got to check out the original first. But 
Well, he'll be bored um, in the middle, and also there's problematic of uh, George C. Scott playing a Native American. Why? Uh, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was I the mean, 80s, and anything went. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, so, I'm used to seeing that in 50s westerns in the 80s, <laughs> mid-80s, 84. I mean... <laughs> nonsensical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh... Okay, gosh, I'm on the board here. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, so I'm picking this um, not because it's a good adaptation of the original story. Um, I actually think it's better than the original story because the original story is racist because it's <laughs> an H.P. Lovecraft one. I'm going to take Reanimator <laughs> with my pick. Nice. Um, nice. Yeah, I, you know... I, I enjoy Reanimator a lot more than I like the cosmic dread like horror that like H.P. Lovecraft was known for. Um, but reading that story, yeah, it's right. There, I mean, like, yeah, H.P. Lovecraft was racist. We all know that. But even in this story, like, it has nothing to do with it. The in the book, he talks about there being like a a boxing match, and one of them was black, and like comparing them to an ape, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, ah. <laughs> The movie is far better <laughs> than the book and the original story. Uh, and it's uh, what a fun ride the movie is. Uh, a, a wonderful blend of, of horror and comedy together. Uh, again, this is one we talked about on the most recent episode. But, um, I mean, Jeffrey Combs as, as Herbert West, fantastic. Barbara Crampton, fantastic. Um cat dead details later i mean just like the kind of like ridiculous um uh funny parts of it i uh, yeah i love it i got it's been a while since i've watched it. i gotta watch that again too that and the fly i guess i gotta put back on <laughs> if it didn't make too much noise i would pull out my postcard that i got when i was in high school that has a head in the tray oh, with a yeah. cigarette. oh nice and mm-hmm. um and it has like the Sturgeon General's warning on it. And that's, I picked up the postcard and I didn't know what it was at the time. I just was at a store and I'm like, this is hilarious. And I bought it and I just had it for years. And then mm-hmm. someone later on told me, this is from Reanimator. And I was like, and then I haven't actually seen the movie until last year. It was like, I'm like, I should finally watch the movie that's on my postcard that I've owned <laughs> since I was in high school. <laughs> Did you enjoy it? Yes. Okay. I do worry sometimes. I'm like, you know, I watched so much of this horror when I was like in my teens and like early 20s. And I wonder revisiting later on in life now if I would still enjoy some of it. So it's that it's good to hear that you enjoyed it. Having seen it for the first time, just like this past year. Yeah, Uh, That also, I guess you could say, has a very problematic aspect with that very scene you're referring to. (laughs) Um, So not without its own controversy, I guess I should say. but uh, yes, the reanimator is my pick. Um, Nick, you're Great on the pick. board and you get the back to back here. Yes. Are we going to be doing an honorable mentions? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Undrafted? Okay. There's like so many to talk about now. I know, um, yeah. That I'm realizing. <laughs> so I will pick two that I just like would rather the most, I think, worthy of speaking about. One. We've talked about before on this show, um, and that'll be my fourth pick, which is uh, Bubba Hotep. Oh, nice. Um, oh, my God. Which <laughs> I haven't read Joe Lansdale's story um, or novella, uh, but um, I'm like, I've 
it's been on my list forever just because like i mean what a movie what a, what a mm-hmm. weird bizarre idea i just if you, someone looked at that story on paper and said like that's gonna be a killer bruce campbell vehicle let's do it um mm-hmm. it's just so out there and but like weirdly touching and hilarious mm-hmm. and um yeah it's not scary and i know it's not supposed to be but it's still i would still call it a horror movie just because of the subject matter and um mm-hmm. so i think it counts but i'm I'm not the commissioner so um <laughs> well you could argue it's a body it horror about aging you know when looked at in that, that way it's very scary yeah. <laughs> that's an interesting point yeah it's absolutely yeah people trapped in their own bodies and then trapped yeah. in a rest yeah it's yeah uh you got mummies that's fair <laughs> mummies. <laughs> i mean as a movie it's just i love it like you know separate from whatever source material it might be i just think it's a great movie mm-hmm. it's got a killer soundtrack i love the soundtrack um yep. great performances you know like a, arguably career best for bruce campbell um mm-hmm. in like probably a role that only he could play um in that capacity it's just great um yeah and i always forget that it's based on a novella so i gotta check that out yeah as did i which is why i threw my head back when he said because i was like, I can't believe i didn't even put that on my list <laughs> Have you read but, it? Yeah. Has that... No, I I think I have the ebook though. I think it's in my Kindle. I just haven't read it yet. Um, because this is what I'll, I'll pick up. Like I don't know, like two ninety nine dollar ninety nine. Like you know, and uh, you know these like ebooks for like these little novellas or like they're like um smaller indie you know horror authors and stuff like that. And uh and then you know my time to read is just so small then that I don't get to it. So it's yeah. But I'm not out that much, I guess, when I've purchased them so true it's good to have it oh yeah someday you know have you someday read I'll, someday i'll have time to read <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't i didn't even know it came from a new world. oh yeah. but i did see the movie on opening weekend and we were Ooh. supposed to have bruce campbell there because he lives in like ashland or jacksonville oregon but he couldn't get oh. i think he got sick or something so but i still saw it opening weekend <laughs> that's pretty oh, that's cool awesome. in itself yeah, yeah. yeah. that's I was just reading, they only made like 40 prints of that movie and they oh, tore wow. it around. Um, so getting to see it opening weekend at all is like yeah. pretty amazing. That's yeah. Cool. I'm jealous you live in a city big enough to see things like that opening weekend. <laughs> Definitely. I think, gosh, I was in high school. I don't think that probably played within two hours of here. I think I would have had to travel to Boston to see that. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, we have like yep. so many indie theaters here. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Uh... All right, Nick, what else are you going to surprise me with that I'm going to kick myself for not putting on my list here with your last pick? So um, I'm changing this to the last minute, so it probably won't be a surprise, um, you know, if we're doing undrafted free agents. This is lame, probably, (laughs) to bookend my draft this way, but I'm going to go with Dr. Sleep. Um, Oh, interesting. Which might be lame, but I also think it's it's worthy of talking. Like, I really like this movie. I should preface it with that. And I like it. Um, in spite of being a fan of The Shining, I should say. <laughs> There's a lot about it. The things that I don't like about it are mostly because I'm such a fan of The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- that being said, I think it's still a great movie. Um, I don't know if it's the best horror adaptation by any stretch, but what I will say is that I think it's one of the boldest horror adaptations because of the mm-hmm. corner that Mike Flanagan was painted into in terms yeah. of two very different takes on the shining the original the shining and then adapting a sequel to the book which i mean i really love 
Dr. Sleep, the novel as well. Um, again, I like the book, The Shining. Uh, I read the novel and viewed it completely as a sequel to the book as a standalone, not thinking about the movie at all. Loved the sequel, felt it was a completely different type of story. Thought that that was brave to do that, um, you know, apart from the character being the same, uh, completely different, but also weirdly faithful to the source material, the original The Shining, in, in like a really cool way. Um, so I was really excited that they were going to make a film, but I never, you know, I, the whole time that, I mean, that was like released in 2013, I think, the book, and in the, like, the ensuing six years until the film came out, I was thinking, like, well, if they ever do make this, like, I hope it's just a straight adaptation of this novel and that they don't, you know, like, disregard Stanley Kubrick's movie. Like, that's his thing. He did that 40 years ago. I don't think he would want it to be touched in any way whatsoever. Like, Warner Brothers might be sensitive about that, too. Like, just let that sit and adapt this novel on a stand. But then, I, you know, it dawned on me as I kept reading about the production. Like, they can't do that. Yeah. Like, there are so many people who only know the movie. Um, you know, we've talked on this podcast about how The Shining has some of, the, like, the most enduring images in all of horror um you know like the carpet pattern these are not these like these are like symbols of horror as a genre now not even like you know um the red rum and here's johnny are, are things that like kind of transcend horror there's just parts of pop culture how do you make a sequel to that without mentioning that like you get and he couldn't please every audience and yeah i will say just in terms of like just Man, I, in terms of like the difficulty of an adaptation, I think Doctor Sleep is like one of the bravest movies like to, to come out, and I just have to give it credit <laughs> on this list for that reason alone. I mean, it, it just merges like three different things. It's like it merges an adaptation of the novel mm-hmm. with being like a sequel to the film and a sequel to the novel. And it's like, you know, it's like bringing all those audiences together, a lot of whom were alienated either by the movie or the, you know, whatever, depending on what they saw or witnessed first. Um, And he was trying to, like, appease Stephen King, who notoriously hated the movie. But -hmm. I think even Stephen King realized, well, how do you make a sequel to this film without making a sequel to the film? Like, it has to be. These are the images that people... That's the overlook that a lot of people know. So if we're going to do this adaptation... Like, how do we do it? And I think he apparently Mike Flanagan convinced him. And when the movie came out, I think Stephen King said, this is actually like so good. I think it redeems Stanley Kubrick's movie in my in my eyes, which, again, as a huge fan of The Shining, I think it's just all horseshit and everyone's missing like he's missing the point. But it's not my book. I didn't write it. So um, I totally see where he's coming from. But um, but from my perspective, like those elements are like the worst, the weakest parts of the movie by far. Those are the parts that took me out of it. I just felt like it was a really solid adaptation of the book. Um, mm-hmm. and that he did a great job with those aspects. Um, and like as a shining nerd, it was very cool and very exciting to see some of these things recreated. Um, and I don't want to go into spoilers, um, especially if you haven't read the novel, because like the differences between them are, are worthy of, of discussion. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, obviously seeing all that stuff like i saw dr sleep twice and once was in imax and like seeing the overlook hotel in imax as like the biggest shining fan was amazing like that was an incredible incredible experience i'll never forget that um like i had goosebumps so that was awesome and (laughs) for that reason alone love the movie um but yeah sorry i'm talking too much but like there there are elements of the movie that i found very problematic as a shining fan of fan of the film 
even so, um, and I think that speaks volumes about the quality of this movie, is that in spite of those things, which are actually a major element of the movie, it's still a fantastic just thriller horror movie with amazing Mm -hmm. performances. Mike Flanagan is such a gifted filmmaker um, that like even those things that really bothered me could not really like, I mean, I own the movie. I watch it uh, several times. I love the direct, the director's cut is great. Both versions are really good. Um, Mm -hmm. Like just as a film, I I very much recommend it, but um, as an adaptation, I just think it's wholly unique in all of the hurdles that it had to somehow overcome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was surprised when you said it because I knew you had complicated thoughts about it. And <laughs> we've talked before about the thankless position that Flanagan was put in, you yes. know, making an adaptation to both a book and a, uh, you know, well-known film and much-loved film. But I appreciate that you're putting it on here be- kind of because of that and that it is such a, like, unique adaptation in that way. So I think oh, that's great, you. man. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, I've right, actually awesome. like heard from like a lot of horror fans that they really like, but they usually just say, "Make sure you see the director's cut." I haven't seen it yet, so but that's oh, what I hear a lot. Okay. It's like they're like, "No, Doctor Sleep is good. Make sure you see the director's cut." I'm like, "Okay, <laughs> I yeah, will when I, I would... get there." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would definitely recommend that if you're gonna see it and you haven't yet, I would I would start with the director's cut for sure. Yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, because I think I watched the theatrical cut because. I think I rented it from like Redbox and whatever. The Blu-ray only had the regular theatrical cut. I think the was it the 4K that had the director's cut. Yeah, so the or 4K they just had the... the director's cut, but the director's okay. cut was only available on regular Blu-ray. It was like oh, the director's gotcha. cut was not yeah, mastered yeah, yeah, yeah. in 4K, but um, okay. Although I read that the digital download of the director's cut is in 4K, so I don't know. The whole thing's like a shit show. I I don't know. Um, but it is available on Blu-ray at least uh, and worth nice. watching. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the, I think the Redbox just got theatrical cuts and didn't get director's cut. So they I actually might. enjoyed the theatrical cut. You know, fine enough. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't, I don't have the affinity for the Shining that you do. Um. So like when I made this list, I didn't even bother putting it on because I knew. Well, of course. <laughs> you know, it was gonna go to you, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I at least wouldn't pick it to stop you from getting it. I guess. Oh, that's that's very nice, but also <laughs> that shouldn't be the case. <laughs> But yeah. Um, oh, the director's cut is on HBO Max. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. oh perfect. So that okay. is available that's streaming great. if you have that. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, okay. So, all right. I'm up. I have one last pick, and then Connie's going to wrap up this draft. Um, and I've got like a bunch that <laughs> I would pick. So we'll definitely do an honorable mentions. Connie, uh, I don't know if you've ever listened to the pod, but our honorable yeah. mentions are called the undrafted free agents. You know, the, the people we didn't draft, but that we're still going to sign to our team if given the opportunity. <laughs> um, so, oh man. Um, okay. I am going to pick with my final pick here in the fifth round. Um, I am going to take Candyman, um, also based on a Clive Barker uh, story. Um, I love the original Candyman. I really like the new one as well um, and uh, thought it was great. Um, And it's just interesting to me, and I don't know if we talked about it. I I know we talked about the new one at some point because I had watched it on this podcast forever ago. Um, I think the very first episode. Was it really? Okay. I think so. Um, 
But I remember, I just remember when the new one was coming out and people were like, oh yeah, it's great. You know, they're going to deal with like, you know, real socialists. They're going to deal with like gentrification and stuff. And I was like, have you seen the original? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it deals with as well in Chicago. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's you know, we, we talk so much about these like this newer elevated horror. I hate the term elevated horror. Um, but these newer horror films for the 2010s and, and now into the 2020s that you know, are dealing with like broader and larger political and societal issues and, you know, things like that. And they get a lot of credit for that. I don't think a lot of the horror that predated it gets a lot of the credit it deserves for many of those issues. Um, I think I've said it time and time again on this podcast that, you know, I would argue all horror is dealing with deeper themes, like at at the very minimum, our mortality (laughs) and often our morality. Um, But they often tackle these broader and larger societal issues that they just don't tend to get the same credit for. And I think Candyman is one that really exemplifies that. Um, It is, I love Tony Todd and he is fantastic as the Candyman. I mean, just a, wonderful killer creepy that hook is so like menacing and uh yeah and he's just yeah this is a total aside he seems like such a nice person <laughs> a sweetheart and a cat fan he's always posting on cat yeah, day with his cat and everything um i met him at a con he was super kind and gracious and uh he is so nice yeah so nice and uh I couldn't believe that he didn't have a bigger line. I was kind of shocked that like I was able to kind of walk up within like, you know, five minutes and talk to him. It was just kind of disappointing, honestly, because <laughs> it's like, why are you, ah, you know? Um, anyway, yeah. I, so the original Candyman is uh, what I will go with uh, with my pick. Nice. Yep. For I some reason, I have that. still not seen it, even though I've read the short story a million years ago. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> I, you know what I will say because I, I didn't delve too far. I, the movie is really good. I think, it, but I I will say like we've t- mentioned a couple problematic aspects about some of these horror movies. It is a you know horror film dealing with you know a black killer and main character and some issues that deal with um, you know uh, you know what we would more consider issues dealing with black people, I guess. But it's made by a white person, so that is in some ways very much like problematic i mean the original story doesn't have Candyman being black mm-hmm. right because it's set in um is that london the london yeah housing a lot of stuff, okay yeah a lot of early stuff like in london yeah so um you know it has gotten criticism i will say in that regard <laughs> so it's not as if it's like incredibly progressive you know maybe by today's standards um I, I just wanted to at least mention that that it's you know it, it is it does has received its own criticism for you know how it's being told through the a white lens i should say <laughs> whereas the new film is directed by a black woman and and you know has you know perhaps a you know keener eye to some of those details than something from a white male perspective in 1990 so <laughs> that's i looked to see like when did this movie come out i thought it came out in 92 oh and 92 excuse um, me because yeah. i i just wanted to see like did in high school we were in one english assignment we were supposed to describe a room and then pass it off to someone else in the class and they're supposed to try to figure out what room it was based on the description and i was reading a lot of clive barker and the movie was not out yet 
and I had just read the short story, like the Forbidden, I think is what it is that Candyman's based on. Okay. And yeah. so I just went and described this face, like the door with the mouth with the face around it, and then just what the inside of the room looked like. It had all these, um, this mattress with like all these needles on it, and all this, and just how dingy and dirty and everything was. And then mm-hmm. someone just wrote on saying teenager's bedroom. <laughs> I was like, I thought that was the best <laughs> guess of what that room was. But I was just, I was basically, I just read the candy man and my whole entire site was just me describing the, what I just read <laughs> <laughs> from my memory. <laughs> yeah. And then the movie came out a year later. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's a great pick and a great point. I'm glad you brought it up and, um, like just mentioned the genre as a whole like if you think about it i mean i think comedy and horror are the two genres that most deal with um societal and political issues because they're the Mm -hmm. ones that can deal with it the best um they have the capacity to do that it's that people can laugh at things that they're uncomfortable with or they can you know be scared by things that they're uncomfortable with um both are valid and if you look at the history of horror it reflects all sorts of things that were at the time the movies were made. Um, you know, there's like there's trends in horror that completely reflects it. The fact that anyone would say that about Candyman and not about yeah, like it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's tons of criticism about I, obviously about horror films and what, but I just don't think yeah. that it gets appreciated enough. I guess in mainstream exactly. circles, it's 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 like you know often considered like a lesser genre. Um, Yes, which when is why I, think... I hate the term elevated horror because it totally. connotates that everything else is garbage in that genre, but this is the good stuff. Yeah. You right. know, just like, ugh. I'll concede anyway. that there are like these elevated horror films for sure are well made and they're made by mm-hmm. maybe like more art house directors than um, has been even the case. In, but it doesn't, I'm not saying they're better um, movies. Yes. I'm just saying that there is like an aesthetic difference and I think there's like they're being made by a different group of people to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. and that maybe, you know, I'm, there's a lot of people who might say those movies are better. I know it's subjective, but they might say these are better made movies. This is a better quality film than a lot of what horror, um, you know, came before, but yeah. that doesn't change what the horror films were about before you know, like mm-hmm. them or hate them. They were dealing with issues that, you know, were, uh, like real issues. Um, yeah. Like the post nine 11, like home invasion thing was um like a major trend and like those movies make me very uncomfortable (laughs) like Mm -hmm. those are freaky movies still (laughs) to this day i mean i think you were talking about that on our last on our last draft like yeah um yeah i mean just owning a home and just being like a, a you know dad too like home invasion horror is some of the scariest to me because it seems the most plausible i you know i nick i know you love ghost stories and supernatural stuff i mean i don't believe in ghosts so it's like that stuff never has like been scary they're fun and they're i often can enjoy my you know that those films but you know those were never like you know things that would make me you know have trouble sleeping or be worried that i've taken enough precautions i guess to protect our house <laughs> yeah they, they never make me think did i lock the deadbolt before he came upstairs or whatever you know but like home invasion stuff well I, you know it's not likely but it's at least more plausible so it it, it definitely is a little more scary to me <laughs> yeah totally yep yep anyway great anyway <laughs> all right connie take us home here final pick of the fifth round okay uh, you're talking about home invasions and being scared and 
making and none of that stuff really scares me for some reason i think maybe just being a woman and having so many things that could kill you your whole entire life it's just like whatever <laughs> yeah here i am talking about this one subgenre of like that's the one area i do kind of find scary you're like yeah. brother let me tell you <laughs> it's a really like I, like flashers don't scare me um mm-hmm. uh, yeah like home invasions don't scare me uh i do not believe in ghosts but i love ghost stories and supernatural mm-hmm. movies scare me the most <laughs> so <laughs> the things that hurt real and so that's what i'm going with my last pick is um i'm going with the haunting oh nice which, and then the original one um nice i don't i feel like i have either seen part of the like the 99 one that they the remake one they did or maybe i just seen the trailer and i've never actually seen all of it um but yeah i'm just going with it was like 63 or something like that so i i um awesome. after i finally read the haunting of hill house um i loved it and it was so incredibly creepy and it, it is a whole haunted house vibe and supernatural vibe and so then i had i had to i actually was glad that we have a video store in town that still has like DVDs and, and VHS and all this other stuff. And so, because I could not find it anywhere streaming, I think now it might be available to stream, but at the time that I wanted to watch it, it was available nowhere. And so I had to actually go rent it from the store to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was, and it was like the same level of creepy. And sometimes it's a little over the top, but it's, I don't know, it still had the same vibe. And I still found the house just, yeah, haunted houses for me. Just those are very, just, uh, th- those are creepy to me, like the most, like, Watching Blair Witch, them out in the forest getting lost didn't scare me. Them being at the house at the very end scared me the most. And so mm-hmm. it's like the haunting. It's just like the whole entire house itself was just uh, creepy to me. So I thought it was a pretty good adaptation. And just, yeah, I thought it, was, it just has all those elements that actually scare me in a movie. That's great. No, wonderful pick. Uh, fantastic. So we have finished the horror drafts horror film adaptations uh draft five rounder let me do a recap here so connie in the first round you took hellraiser in the second you took carrie in the third you took pet cemetery firestarter in the fourth and then you wrapped up the entire draft with the haunting in the fifth round uh nick you took to no one's surprise the shining in the first round frankenstein in the second burnt offerings in the third Bubba Hotep in the fourth, which I'm still kicking myself. I didn't have on my list. And Doctor Sleep in the fifth. Uh, I took American Psycho in the first. The Thing in the second. The Fly, excuse me, in the third. Reanimator in the fourth. And then wrapped it up with Candyman in the fifth. Uh, This concludes the draft, but we are now moving into the post-draft analysis phase. Uh, I don't know if there are really any reaches or steals in this draft. Um... Uh, you know, these are all like pretty darn solid picks, if I do say so uh, myself. And and to compliment both of you, I don't know if I could really pick a a reach or a steal here. I feel like we've got solid titles all the way down. Yeah, those are that's three solid lists. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen absolutely. really good movies. For sure. Yeah, yeah, and for varying reasons. You know, like I like the Doctor Sleep pick just for how challenging of an adaptation. You know, and. Uh, picking them based, you know, like uh, me uh, taking American Psycho just because the movie I thought was so much better than the book, you know, <laughs> things like that. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. But we're going to move right into the undrafted free agents because I'm sure all of us have about 20 movies we would have picked here. Connie, you're our guest. Please start us off here. Well, what would you sign to your team? Um, 
I'll go for the, like the list that I didn't actually touch. It was like okay. I had to, and it was the um, the ones of I love the movies, but I've never read the books. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I had like the ring, which just scared me so much. Mm-hmm. Like I don't usually have nightmares in that one. After I watched that one in the theater, I thought something was coming to grab me out of the TV <laughs> in the bedroom. <laughs> um, the Exorcist, I have mm. Rosemary's Baby, yep. and uh, Misery. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't got. I'm almost. I'm almost to Misery, but I haven't actually reached that book yet to read it. <laughs> but I can see oh, the movie gotcha. now. <laughs> and um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Silence of the Lambs. Those are all nice. ones that it's like. I, those are ones that I really like. The movies have not read with adaptations. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, Silence of the Lambs was one of the ones I was trying to choose between that and Candyman. Um, at the end there, because that that's up there for me. I I have read the book. I I do actually like the. Um, well, I like Red Dragon and I like Silence of the Lambs, the Thomas Harris books. Once he gets to Hannibal, I'm like, no thanks. Um, <laughs> but I will actually say, for as not great as the Hannibal movie is, I sure love their ending more than the ending he has at the end of the Hannibal book. It's, come on. Spoilers, I don't know. Do you guys want to hear? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like a Hannibal Lecter and Clarice uh, oh, yes. getting together. Oh, no. And, and are in a relationship <laughs> together by the end of Hannibal. And I'm Why? just like, what? I do remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Thankfully, the movie doesn't do that. I think there was enough backlash to the book that they were like, yeah, we can't we can't go down that path. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, not great. Uh, but yes, the Silence of the Lambs and the, his first um, book with Hannibal Lecter, Red Dragon, I think are both fantastic. Um, the other one I was deciding, because I was between three, was um, The Invisible Man 2020, the remake, which I loved a lot. I thought it was really fantastic. Um, I'd never been a huge fan of the Invisible Man Universal monster. Um, I thought it was okay, but it was always kind of hokey, you know, being wrapped up and everything. And, you know, it was just a little, it was more silly and not as scary to me. Um, So I thought this one was just like such a smart way to approach that topic, you know, to, to center it within like, you know, domestic abuse and the psychological warfare, basically, that he would play on her um, in that uh, you know using technology to, to do that to make himself seem invisible um so i thought they it was really really well done um i don't know have, have you guys seen that new one the new invisible man i had it on yeah, my I list to watch but i haven't yet oh okay oh shoot i hope i didn't <laughs> oh no you're fine for you. okay <laughs> i i enjoyed it quite a bit and and elizabeth moss is fantastic in it um as she always is as is aldous hodge i think he's fantastic too and and he was great in it um Gosh, I mean, there's I had a lot of remakes on here that um, I didn't draft. Um, the Dawn of the Dead remake from 04, um, the Friday the 13th remake from 09, the Evil Dead remake in 2013. Um, there was a lot of really solid remakes um, on there that, that didn't get drafted by me. Um, I actually like that Friday the 13th remake. Like, I was surprised. Yeah, <laughs> I, had yeah, a lot of fun I think, with it. you know. <laughs> Among all those like big horror franchise remakes, I think that's like the most solid mm-hmm. uh, across the board, and it's really grown on me because I remember seeing it, I think in the theater when it first came out, and being like, "Yeah, that was all right, you know, not horrible, but not mm-hmm. great." And it's really, I've, I've really, it grows in my estimation every time I watch it now. Uh, I really like, it. and I love Derek Mears in his take on Jason. I think he's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, I never saw the Dawn uh, of the Dead remake, even though I hear great things about it. 
I did that see. That was pretty good. The original really was another that. sleepover one where we were way too young to be watching that, but we totally did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> and actually, in that same vein, I think the Night of the Living, uh, Night of the Living Dead remake from 1990 is really solid too. It's um, good. And, re- and really like... Um, uh, rehabilitates the Barbara character and doesn't make her this like shell shocked, like you know, kind of helpless mm-hmm. person in in the the house. Like, really, kind of puts her in a central role and is like the real hero of the story. Um, so that one is is really good too. Actually, I, I haven't seen the Day of the Dead remake, which I think came out the Steve Miner version, the one that he did. Uh, what, in yeah, like, was that like in the 2010 sometime or like oh six or nine? Or it something was when we were in college. I think it was oh six or oh seven. Oh six. Okay. Yeah, All right. and it was yeah, like I never watched that. I definitely saw part of it. It was awful. From what I, okay. I from what All I right. remember, I was like, this is just garbage. I like Steve Miner, and I was excited <laughs> yeah. for it. Um, and. I hate making judgments on movies that I haven't watched the whole thing of. So like, don't listen to me. You should see it probably. I, I would even revisit myself, but like all I remember about it was that I hated it at the time. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. But there's at least two good remakes in that franchise of remakes. Yeah. It's actually <laughs> night and dawn. Definitely. That's a good, pretty good. <laughs> what about you, Nick? What do you sign into your team? Uh, well, I had a lot of the same ones as Connie. I had Misery. Mm-hmm. Um, Misery is one I actually I one of the few I think I've read a handful of Stephen King books, and Misery is one of them. And I, I I love love the book as well. I think it's really really good. But yeah. I think I I like just I, I might prefer the movie. It's just such a it's such a great movie. I mean, you're talking about like a with that and Science of the Lambs. I think those are worthy of putting on this list of adaptations because they're both Academy Award winners. Mm-hmm. Um, and that says a lot. <laughs> very rarely happens with horror movies um so that's huge um but i love misery uh i had jaws on here um i also had the ring which i was gonna put not only because um it's actually based on a novel but because also as a remake um uh, yeah yeah it's it's just it like brought in that whole asian horror um like wave of asian horror remakes to to the states most of which are are absolutely garbage but the ring is really <laughs> solid and i think if nothing else those movies like opened up a lot of people probably including me to um like the original um yeah. it, most a lot of those were japanese remakes but not all of them there's like you know there's the eye um is not uh japanese and some of the korean remakes are really solid um solid original movies too um, but I, you know, yeah, it opened me up to like a whole new, really not just the genre or the original films, but those filmmakers. I mean, like Takashi Miike, um, uh, um, Sion Sono, like a lot of filmmakers that I wouldn't have known otherwise. I I got into because like basically because The Ring was a success, and then they started buying properties left and right. Um, so I like you know had a list of things to watch, and so for that reason, I think it's worth it. Uh, mentioning and um, the last one I, I didn't pick but I probably would have if yeah. it was like best was The Innocence which Brantley am, yeah. probably will <laughs> if I had picked it would be angry about um, I was saying The Innocence I was going to pick The Innocence um, oh. <laughs> which I was going to say like I've, I've stolen that one twice now so I didn't want to pick it but um, <laughs> and, and we've talked about it a couple times now but like wow yeah. what an adaptation what a book I mean I mean Turn on a Screw is like considered a literary classic, but I think The Innocence mm-hmm. is just like 
just clearly like undisputed film classic. Um, yeah. Just what a, what a what a film. We've talked about it a few times. Anyone who's listened to this podcast and hasn't seen The Innocence yet, <laughs> after all of this stuff, needs to go check that out like right now. Yes. Yeah, The Innocence and The Shining are like the two movies that seem to come up the <laughs> most on this podcast. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's uh, that's another one in the books. That was a nice. wonderful draft. Yeah, Connie, thank you so much thank for you. joining us on this episode. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Yes, endless yeah. thank yous. It's so generous. I like still like always feel bad. Like every time we record a new episode, I'm like, I can't believe these people are giving us so much of their time. Um, exactly. So nice. So yeah, when you invited like, me. I wanted to say, why me? Why are you inviting me? No, <laughs> no we we know we're we're so happy that you came on. It's always the toughest part is like asking people to come on the podcast to yeah. like guess because yeah we and then we just endlessly feel sorry that we're taking so much of their time. Yeah, just like so you guys oh my God, are thank nice. you so much for being here. Yeah, yeah. we might be. <laughs> But yeah, thank you so much, Connie, uh, for coming on and being such a wonderful guest. Uh, everybody, please check out the S King project that she's doing on Instagram. Maybe I'll update and, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, otherwise, uh, Connie, I'll see you on the Discord, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much. And everybody, uh, tune in next time where we'll be drafting something that's TBD. We don't know yet. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. The song you heard in this episode is You Are a Monster by Monroeville Music Center. It's being used under a CCBY Creative Commons license and was accessed from freemusicarchive.org. If you'd like to hear more of Monroeville Music Center, you can find them on Bandcamp, their Facebook page, YouTube, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, Discogs, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. And hey, if you want to reach out and communicate with us, please send an email to horrordraftspod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at horrordrafts, all one word. We'd love to hear any questions you have for us, suggestions for topics to draft, or ideas for guests, especially if you can put us in touch with them. Thanks everyone, and we hope to hear from you soon.